So my husband, Travis, and I parent Wyatt. There's a cute little, I love any excuse to put up a picture of him. Um, So we parent Wyatt, who is a three-year-old. And let me tell you, parenting a toddler is not for the faint of heart. Is there anybody in here who knows that life experience? Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, But there are days where it feels like Wyatt is doing his absolute best to find every little one of my nerves and get on them. Like, I know that's not the case because he's three. He's smart. He's independent. This was his New Year's Eve outfit of choice. You know, we got the cars, shoes, the Elmo hat, you know, the Bucky's cup. Warren's probably very happy to see that. Um, You know, he's brave. He's developing great risk-taking and leadership skills is what I have to remind myself. But getting ready for us can be an adventure sometimes. I'll ask him, buddy, do you want yogurt or cereal for breakfast today? And he'll respond, candy. We can't really make that one work. Sometimes I'm chasing him around and say, okay, buddy, we're going to be late. It's time to put on your clothes. We're going to be late. And then when it's time to get in the car, usually at least one random object makes it in there with us in order to actually make it there on time. Friday, it was a balloon. Thursday, he had to hold my car keys. Many days, he has to grab a stick or a leaf from our yard. It's always an adventure. And so I pray and I work and I take a lot of good advice from many wonderful people, many of you here in this room, on how to navigate these chaotic mornings while keeping my cool. Strategies to guide Wyatt, to help keep him on task that don't involve taking him to task. But I'm not perfect. I'll admit that. Sometimes I'm pushed to my limit. I lose my cool as a parent and I have to apologize. I'm sure lots of us that are parents have been there. Because parenting is not for the faint of heart and it doesn't come with an instruction book. Pastoring is also not for the faint of heart either. So just this week in our staff meeting, Pastor Andy Whitaker-Smith showed us a video of a skit called Honest Preacher. Now, I wanted to make sure it didn't get lost in the translation of our online worshipers. So you can look it up after the service. It's a very funny but short video, but I'll try to recap to you what happens. So you see the worship service that starts, the organ is playing, and a pastor comes up and opens his Bible. You're thinking like, okay, this is normal. But instead, he slams his head down on the pulpit in frustration. When he finally pops up, he screams, sometimes you guys are bad. Don't be jerks. You're supposed to be good. I don't know what this fictional congregation must have done to get him to this point. But when it comes to dealing with people in life, we can all emphasize, empathize with that frustration, can't we? Whether we're a parent, whether we're a pastor, whether we're just a regular person going through the world, that is our honest and gut reaction when people frustrate us, isn't it? Or maybe even when we find ourselves disappointed in what we do and we wish we hadn't done. When people mess up, do wrong, miss the mark, hurt us, hurt someone else, we just want to scream out in frustration. And so Paul, 
had this big opportunity, this big platform, just like our honest preacher when he was writing to the church at Corinth. Because they were a church that if anyone deserved to be yelled at, anyone deserved to hear, sometimes you guys are bad, don't be jerks, this church was it. For example, before I get to our scripture passage today, how Paul like actually starts the letter Let me read verses 10 and 11 of chapter 1 to tell you exactly what I'm talking about, what's going on here. He says, Now I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, agree with each other and don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and same purpose. My brothers and sisters, Chloe's people gave me some information about you, that you're fighting with each other. And if you read through the rest of Corinthians, we see that this infighting is just the tip of the iceberg for this church. We're talking about crazy sexual immorality, heretical teaching, disruptions in worship that prevented the service from happening, prioritizing the rich over the poor, all within the context of Christian community. And so yet, despite all this... Listen to how Paul actually starts this letter to the Corinthians. From verse 1. From Paul, called by God's will to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, from Sosthenes, our brother. To God's church that is in Corinth. To those who have been made holy to God in Christ Jesus, who are called to be God's people. Together with all those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in every place, he's their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always for you because of God's grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus. That is, you were made rich through him in everything, in all your communication, in every kind of knowledge. In the same way that the testimony about Christ was confirmed with you. The result is that you aren't missing any spiritual gift while you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also confirm your testimony about Christ until the end. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful and you were called by him to partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. So you see, these aren't words of anger or rebuke or blowing up. They are words of unexpected grace. Words of unexpected grace that set the tone of the letter ahead. Paul here sets a great example for us that our relationship with God, first and foremost, starts with grace. That we are first and foremost made holy to God in Christ Jesus. We are first and foremost God's people. We are first and foremost made rich in everything through God's grace and through God's love. And that we are made complete. That we do have the capacity, the knowledge, the ability to do what we need to do. To be the people we need to be because of the grace of Christ. And these were the words that Paul used to this church in Corinth. The church that through this discourse, Paul had to write 
four letters and make what he called a painful visit to during his ministry. And just to give you some context, if you haven't read a lot of the Apostle Paul's history and ministry, that is way above average for the other churches he was ministering to. And yet, all this stuff about grace, all this beautiful, beautiful stuff about grace to the church at Corinth is not any less true. Now, that isn't to say that Paul didn't have instructions and corrections to give to the church at Corinth, because he certainly did. This is just the beginning of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. It's got 16 chapters total, many filled with these instructions, with these do's and don'ts for the Christian community. But Paul encouraged them that they could go through those instructions and through those corrections through the lens of grace. That God had already equipped them with the capacity, the knowledge, the aptitude that they needed. The spiritual gifts required to be the people that God had called them to be. God had already given them all that they needed for this journey of grace. They just had to say yes and begin this work of retooling that within themselves. And so one just has to wonder what kind of change, what kind of transformation the church of Corinth eventually, after four letters and the painful visit, underwent realizing that true beauty of the grace of Christ at work in their lives. What it looked like when they could fully live into God's grace, pushing them to live life as God intended. And what would it mean for us if we could do the same? Many times we can look at ourselves with those same harsh and critical eyes of the honest preacher or the stressed out parent with too little sleep. We can think of all the things that we have done wrong all the people we have let down, all the times we have slipped up, all the times we've let our anger get the best of us, all the times we've neglected loving our neighbor, been stingy instead of generous, forgetful instead of caring and intentional, stressed instead of present and grace-filled. But this passage reminds us that God looks at us with unexpected grace, First, that God has blessed us with a grace so rich it calls us, it equips us beyond what our inner critic wants us to believe. That we are beloved by God. We are called to live into this life of loving God, loving self, and loving neighbor. And that believe it or not, God has given us everything that we need to embark on this journey. Paul assured us of that in these scriptures. But we also have to look at this passage and remember that it's our job to look at other people with those same grace-filled eyes too. To be beloved and to live into this life of love means extending grace to others, to our neighbors. 
I'll read again what Paul urges in verse 10. Now I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, agree with one another. Don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and the same purpose. When we look into the eyes of another, we are looking into the eyes of someone who is loved by God. We are looking into the eyes of someone who has access to God's grace through Jesus Christ. And we have to grow and stretch ourselves to treat each other like that even when... It is hard. Even when it is unexpected. Even when it might seem counterintuitive. Countercultural. Like what Paul is doing here in our scriptures. Grace toward ourselves. Grace toward our neighbors. That commitment to grow in grace on our lifelong journey to be more like Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's a comforting thing. It's a challenging thing. And we can know that God has equipped us for this journey. And that God can use us as conduits for this grace in a way to transform the world. Will you pray with me? God of grace, we thank you for the ways that your unexpected grace shows up in the world. May your unexpected grace continue to comfort us, continue to challenge us, continue to nudge us to be a light in this world. Amen. So as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear the benediction. May you experience God's unexpected grace today. May it be a blessing to you. And may that unexpected grace be something that you don't keep just for yourself. May you extend that unexpected grace to another. May you remember that when we look into the eyes of another, no matter who they are, you are looking into the eyes of someone that God loves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.